Hello and welcome to the Moonshots podcast. It is a ginormous episode 71. I'm your co-host Mike Parsons and once again I'm joined by the man with the velvet voice himself, Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mike. I don't think anybody's actually referred to my voice as a velvet voice before, but I quite like it. Maybe that's some kind of nickname that I can bring out throughout my professional career. Who knows? There you go. The velvet man himself. And (laughs) whilst we talk about things that are smooth, whilst we talk about things that are inspiring, someone who is I would say very smooth in her storytelling and amazingly accomplished is the focus of this show. Mark, where are we going today? Who is going to inspire us? We have somebody so prolific that she almost needs no announcement or reveal. It's Ariana Huffington. So obviously the creator and founder of the online site, The Huffington Post, she founded in 2005, originally from Athens in Greece. But she's done a huge amount of work throughout the entirety of her career. And we're going to touch on a lot of it today, which I'm very, very excited about, actually. Yeah. And I just want to kind of give a little bit of context for the younger listeners to our show. Old geriatrics like myself will remember that when Huffington Post came into the world some 10, 12 years ago, it became huge. It was very pioneering in using guest columnists. And I mean, she sold it for $315 million to AOL back in 2011. What I really want to make sure everyone is aware is that it was the buzzfeed of its day. And what is so amazing about Ariana is she started in a very hard-off Greek family and she had the most ambitious dream when she was a young girl. And she said, I am going to go to Cambridge University. And she pulled it off when everything was against her. So, Mark, I think we have a ton to learn from Ariana. And I think there's a few surprises in store here too. What do you think? What was, as you researched Ariana, what was a surprise for you? Well, I think as you've just touched on for the younger listeners, and I'll probably class myself in the slightly older group as well, she launched this enormous behemoth of an online platform and brought in this huge new tidal wave of bloggers and writers and gave a speaker box almost for a lot of people to get their names out there. But then she almost had a pause and, you know, we'll go into the sort of reasons why she had this pause shortly. But she totally pivoted, went away from the uh, Huffington Post after 11 years of launching it, and then went into something really, really valuable and personal, not only to her, but to all of us. And I think it just shows all of us and our listeners that you always have an opportunity to go a slightly different way if you want. There's always different paths and different avenues and different things to go and create. And I think that's a real good sign of an innovator, that she didn't just you know, stick to the tram lines necessarily. She saw something else that she wanted to go and do and she wasn't afraid to go and do it, which I think is really, really inspirational. Yeah, I would package this in two ways. I think we've got a lot to learn about her journey as an entrepreneur. And then I think we've got a lot to learn from her in a journey into wellness and to health. And what's really beautiful is how she's able to connect these together for us and teach us so much about how our health relates so much to the professional endeavors that we have in our life. So we've got an action-packed show. But before we get into all of that, Mark, we need to remind people of where they can go when they want to get show notes, they want to get all the content that we produce. Where does one go? Well, I'd really, really love all of our listeners to go and check out a little online destination called moonshots.io. Maybe we'll get it to the size of Huffington Post one day, but (laughs) I would love for all of our listeners, maybe a little bit of homework for everybody to go and check it out. You know, we put a lot of notes and archived shows as well as those transcriptions and links of where you can go and listen and find out more 
onto the website as well as our social channels. And I'd love for our listeners just to go and check it out. Let us know what you think. Shoot us an email at hello at moonshots.io just so we know what you're thinking, any new recommendations and who we should cover. We just love to hear from you guys. Absolutely. And if you're listening to us as we're doing the show together at this very moment and you're thinking, where else can I go? What else can I do? I want to encourage you all to jump into your podcast apps on your phone or on your laptop. And I would really encourage you to go and give us a rating or a review. This is really important for us because it helps more new listeners discover the show, get the inspiration that we find in these innovators. And I want to say a special thanks to some of the people that have left reviews for us in the Apple Podcast Preview. We're doing extremely well. We're over 43 ratings and reviews. So I want to say thanks to Dustin, NewWin87, The Podman, Rob212324, Guima, Maria, Maria18, Katzins, Dean, Axis1, and a whole ton more. To all of you, thank you so much for reviewing the show. That really helps get the word out. But I think it's time to get into the words of Ariana Huffington. And I'm really excited about the series of clips we've got, but I think what we're going to do to really set the scene here is take you back to her getting things going at the Huffington Post. So let's have a listen to Ariana Huffington. You started as a journalist, right? And you worked your way up as a journalist. And then from there comes, you know, Huffington Post. What was it in that moment when you said, I would like to start Huffington Post, and I think it was roughly around 2005, right, is when that happened. What was the transition for you to go from a journalist to wanting to start a brand called Huffington Post? So what happened is that I began to see that the conversation was moving online before Facebook and Twitter dominated our lives. And I wanted to create a platform both for very well-known people who could theoretically write for the New York Times or anywhere they wanted, and for people who are students, nobody had heard of, mm-hmm. or anywhere in life who had something interesting to say. And I wanted to elevate blogging. On day one, we launched with blog posts by Ellen DeGeneres and Larry David day and one. John Cusack and Walter Cronkite. So it became a platform for interesting voices, known and unknown. And also, little by little, a very established journalistic enterprise. We won a Pulitzer. I wanted the company to be global. You and I are, as we said, immigrants. We believe that you need to bring the world together. So when I left HuffPost to launch Thrive Global, we were in 17 countries, including Brazil and India. Really? So this is 17 countries that are contributing from their countries at Huffington Post. That- I-N-D, was it? Yes, G-R or whatever. And we launched every country with a partner, a major media partner. So the great thing for the entrepreneurs watching about doing a startup the second time (laughs) is that you've learned a lot the first time. This is a good business lesson, and it's quite inspiring for two reasons for me. I am taking away, Mike, the concept from Ariana that having a reason why is very, very valuable when you're starting this business, as well as having a benefit from learning once you've done something for the first time. So there's an element of, okay, set your tracks right, know where you're going to go. You want it to be, you know, this incredible platform to elevate writers. That's great. That's a good reason why. Launching in 17 countries, wow. But then, okay, if it doesn't work, that's okay because you can learn from it. You can do it differently the next time. There's a nice double-hander lesson there, I think. Yeah, and I think Simon Sinek would be proud of it, don't you? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) I do see a huge amount of, you know, similarity between Ariana as well as some of our other innovators and, you know, we'll go through them today. But in this particular clip, I do see Simon Sinek coming through and I'm sure he'd be sitting there having a cup of tea saying, great, thanks, Ariana, you're raising awareness. The thing that would have got you through launching 17 different countries is indeed that clarity of purpose and vision and, oh, wow, have we seen this. If you think about the women that are a part of this Women in Innovation series, Melinda Gates, Michelle Obama, and then other great leaders that we have decoded and learned from, this theme of having a big, bold ambition 
is so important. And Ariane is full of it, grew up in a very poor family in Greece and said, I'm going to Cambridge. She was a journalist and she said, I'm going to create my own media company. And they won a Pulitzer mark. I mean, this lady is not short on purpose and vision. And wow, I mean, what a turbocharge. I mean, this really shows you that you can dream big. And if you work at it, I think these things can truly come together. Don't forget her last two books, you know, Thrive as well as The Sleep Revolution. Both of them came out and went straight to the international best-selling status. You know, everything she touches seems to turn to gold. Right. So, you know, once again, you know, the classic Mike Parsons test of an author is looking at their star rating on Amazon and she's crushing it. Oh, yeah. And, you know, on both books. And don't forget, this person has started two separate successful companies. I mean, over 800 people now work at Thrive. I mean, she's prolific. But what's so nice about the journey that we're going on is we're going to see that I think quite similar to Michelle Obama, Ariana is capable of real humility and being really candid about some of her challenges some of her failures, some of the things that have really caused her enormous challenge in her life. And so what we're about to do now in the show is go through not only dealing with stress and finding some work-life balance, what we're going to get into now is how we can avoid getting stuck in a rut. You know, those times when you're thinking to yourself, oh, Groundhog Day. And Ariana has got a lot to teach us here. So let's have a listen to her talking about how we can stop being jaded. You know, you are a masterful networker. You've created two incredible companies. You've met so many different types of people, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But, but what, what is it about you that like, has kept you from becoming jaded and, and falling into that lifestyle? I think I love people. I I love learning from people. I'm endlessly curious. But I also love being by myself. I, I need time by myself. I need time to just read and think and and just be. Recharge. And recharge. So I think this combination and learning that ebb and flow has been really great because when I show up somewhere, when I show up at work, I want to be fully engaged. You know, Ashley, I spent many, many years just basically going through my to-do list and getting stuff done. And that's no longer enough for me. I don't want just to be effective. I want to be joyful. Mm. And I feel it's such a blessing to be doing what I love to be healthy, uh, you know, to have my family and people I love around me. All these things are incredible blessings. And I don't want to take anything for granted. And I don't want just to check the boxes. To not just be effective, but to be joyful. I think that is a motto for life. I love that. And for me, that's not a barometer. If I'm not joyful, it means I'm off course. And, you know, Nobody's on course all the time. I'm not on course all the time. But I have now learned how to course correct. Mm -hmm. And incidentally, stress in itself is not the problem. The problem is stress becoming cumulative. Mm. So by the time you go home, you're like so wound up. You're so right. You You need the calm down. That's a big clip. I don't know where to start there. I've just written down some for myself three big notes. Mark, which one really sticks out for you? I'm going to go to the beginning of the clip, actually, where Ariana is raising awareness of two mindsets, both of which I agree with and I'd like to explore. First of which is how Ariana stays curious. She's always learning from people. So being exposed to our colleagues, our teammates, friends and family, there's a huge value in that because we can listen and learn and expand our points of view. That's great. The second point she says is don't forget to take time by yourself. Repair yourself. Engage yourself. Do your own reading. Because having this two-hander of being with people but also by yourself is really, really valuable, I think. And it's something that I'm going to you know, challenge myself to do. I'm naturally quite social. I quite like hanging out with people and and listening and so on and so forth. But this recent 
isolation period is also challenging me into thinking, how do I operate by myself? How do I reflect and get feedback from you know, myself to a certain extent? And that's something that I think Ariane is starting to explore here. She's raising awareness of that. What do you think, Mike? I love the fact that she points to curiosity because I think that's something that we've seen in so many of the different people that we've studied. And I love that balance between time to reflect and time to be curious. So when we talk about curiosity and learning, I'm interested, Mark, what do you do? You know, if you want to be in a growth mindset, if you want to keep on learning and being curious, what are your go-to practices? Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Again, there's a two-hander. And I think everybody has slightly different techniques. For me, there is one foot of mine that is in a space of career mindset. So I might read relevant articles. I might do online courses. I might watch YouTube or films and so on about things that are relevant to my career. But equally, I think there's the second foot which is staying in a topic or area that is not necessarily completely relevant because that keeps you stretched a little bit. That keeps your brain learning new things. And I find that when you're not actively learning anything, time seems to go much, much faster. When you get into a routine that is not different each day, let's say, it does go a little bit quicker. So this idea of learning new things and challenging yourself to go and explore topics or areas that maybe you've never thought about before. For me, at least, that's what I try to do at least every so often. I'm not going to say I do it every day. That would be unfair. But I think throughout my year, I will try and check out different things, maybe gardening. Maybe that's something that is totally different to the world of innovation. But for me, it's very, very rewarding and it keeps me active, keeps my brain engaged. What do you think, Mike? How do you stay curious? What's interesting for me is like dedicated time for reading and collecting articles. So I get quite a lot of news feeds, but the interesting hack that I have is I basically, anything I really like, I clip it with Instapaper and I will return to Instapaper maybe once every two or three days and read a couple of articles. But the other interesting thing I do to try and make things I learn more permanent is I highlight in Instapaper. So I have a lot of notes in Instapaper. And as things spark my interest, I'll often try and find YouTube clips. Here's another one. If someone recommends a book to me, I go and find a book summary, like a one-page summary of the book, and I put it in Instapaper. And then I read that. And then if I like that, then I download the free sample on Amazon. And if that really, if I'm still with them, then then I buy the book. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty elaborate process, but it means that I spend my time very efficiently in terms of, I don't just go and buy the book. First, I get the summary, then I get the sample. And then maybe only one in 20, I actually read. Well, what's interesting about that method, and I might start emulating it as well, is that by the time you actually get to the book, you're probably pretty well versed in the main topic. So actually, this seems to me like how to become a straight A student by our friend Cal yeah. Newport. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, you know, recollection that you've got from highlighting in Instapaper through to the summary all the way through to the book, you get that far. Maybe I have kind of subconsciously kind of absorbed this from Cal without really recognizing the practice. But hey, Mark, I want to ask you another question because as we said, it was a huge clip, lots in it. There was this line that she was painting for us. Ariana was talking about like stress in itself is not a bad thing. It's when stress becomes cumulative. So let's break that down a little bit. How do you know, Mark, when stress at work is becoming too cumulative? How do you know when you're getting to a point of, whoa, 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 I need to unplug, I need a break, I need to change things up. What are the signals that you see in yourself? That's a good one. And I've become more conscious of it as I get older. I think there's an emotional side as well as a physical side. So emotionally, I might become a bit grumpy. 
Maybe I'm a little bit shorter with my colleagues or my family. Maybe I go very, very quiet. I am fairly chatty. So uh, as you probably know, the velvet voice. But I think when I'm stressed, it impacts me. It makes me recoil a little bit. I become a little bit more introverted. And that's from an emotional perspective. On a physical side, I get a, a particular pain in, in part of my back. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've really noticed that over the last few years. Very, very one specific point. And I think when that happens, I don't have it today. So I'm obviously fairly chatty. But when I do have it, I can feel it you know, almost affecting my mood. Maybe it's connected. I don't know. But at least that's what I've associated with stress, with cumulative stress and anxiety. How about yourself? Totally with you on the physical things. So I either feel it in my neck or my lower back. That's where I experience it. And I definitely can sense the difference between push and pull. And here's what I mean by that. So I've just come back from a break and, you know, I'm like two days back from a vacation of almost a week and my body is like rip-roaring, ready to go. And I just attack things. Like I'm totally going after things. I know that when I've been on a really, like before that, I had had three months plus of really intensive work, a lot of international travel, a lot of late nights for work. And the stress was cumulative in that I was forcing myself to do good work. It was a real forced attempt, like it was sheer will, and that my body wasn't really with me. And so I notice that when I wake up proactively ready to attack the day versus where I am only getting things done well through a sheer brute force, I even have moments where I'm like, I should be excited about this work, but I'm just so exhausted that it is just will that's going to get me through this. And I, I have like this whole thing that when I'm there, I'm like, I got to get some time. Now, what's an interesting thing here is then to try and reschedule your day, your week or your month to be on a more sustainable level. So for example, I have a big call that's going to be at one o'clock Sydney time tomorrow. And so what I'm doing is I'm going to stay up, I'm going to do that call, but I'm not going to work on Friday because I know that this is going to be so disruptive to my sleep pattern. We're going to talk a lot more about sleep on this show. It's going to be so disruptive and there's very little point to Mike Parsons trying to get work done when I'm getting to bed at three in the morning because I'm normally up three or four hours later. So what I'm going to do is be more sustainable and just get all my work done this week. I'll do the call at one o'clock in the morning, probably wrap up at 2.30 in the morning, and then I will go for a huge sleep and not work on the Friday. I would say this has been the greatest difference between Mike, who's got some gray hair, and Mike, who is in his 20s, is that I've stopped trying to be Superman because it's as Ariana is starting to push us towards, it is totally unsustainable and there's nothing to be proud of by burning yourself out. And I think that's the real lesson that we're starting to get here from Ariana. You and Ariana would clearly be friends. <laughs> we would do well over a glass of wine, you think? Yeah, I think so. Just because what you're saying here, and very honestly, and thank you for sharing, is exactly what Ariana's trying to say. And in the next clip, we're actually going to hear a little bit about what was the wake-up call for Ariana and the reason and the inspiration behind her book in 2014, Thrive, and creating that business. It was all about this idea of burning out and making sure that you actually take time for yourself so you avoid that happening. What's the difference? What's the biggest difference for you? For me personally... Mm -hmm. The biggest difference is that when I launched HalfPost, I was living under the delusion. In order to succeed, you have to be always on. You have to sacrifice sleep, your health, your relationships, everything, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. this baby, this company depends on you. You are at your best when you are recharged, creative, connected to your wisdom and your best decisions. I was completely wrong at the beginning of launching 
the Huffington Post. And in fact, two years into launching the Huffington Post, I collapsed from exhaustion, sleep deprivation, burnout. What was your schedule like at that time? It was crazy. And on top of being an, a first-time entrepreneur, I was a, a divorced mom of two teenage daughters. And all simultaneously. All simultaneously. <laughs> so there I am. I collapse. I hit my head on my desk, break my cheekbone. And that was the beginning of my wake-up call that actually led to Thrive the Book and Thrive the Business because I recognized that it wasn't just me who was burnt out. Burnout and stress are global epidemics. And they are particularly prevalent among entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm who feel indispensable and who feel that they have to sacrifice all the things that actually make us more productive. Mm, It's so amazing how much I can relate to this. I would characterize much of my 20s and 30s about success at all costs. And, you know, I gradually changed over that time, I think, from totally working myself into the ground to the birth of my son and just to generally looking for more balance in life, I believe this is such a timely and powerful lesson, Mark. When we hear that she was a divorced mum building her own company that went on to be sold for $315 million, I mean, Talk about overcoming some obstacles. What are you taking from this clip? I think it's a great lesson. You know, I think all of us have a drive within us. You know, us especially and our listeners will agree that, you know, we want to achieve the absolute peak and we want to drive towards an ultimate goal of being really, really good at what we do. But we often forget that it does have a knock-on effect. You know, while we're focused doing, you know, let's say 1am phone calls, you're getting through that and it's going to be great for the business. But you're right, without having the insight of taking Friday off and and making sure that you repair yourself, which is what Ariana was, was telling us is the secret to avoid being jaded, making sure that you take time to repair and, and be honest to yourself allows you to overcome that. And, and stay, you know, positive, stay creative, be the best version of yourself without allowing um, yourself to get burnt out, without becoming miserable, without allowing it to affect those around you. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot in this. I think where this really sets us on a course to is, okay, then, Ariana, well, how do we deal with this stress. And, you know, as we move into a whole new era where we've had quarantine, work from home, and so on and so forth, there's all this extra work we're dealing with in terms of stress and uncertainty. I think this sets us up perfectly for the second half of the show where we get a ton of good things from Ariana. It's almost, Mark, like the first half of the show, She's helped us as the doctor. She's diagnosed us. She's called us out on our problems. She's called us out on our challenges. And now we can move into the good stuff. What do you think? Yeah. If that was the, okay, let's raise awareness. Cool. Well, Ariana, what's next? Tell us. (laughs) (laughs) And she's got a good one. Her first point that we're going to hear about is... And again, the timeliness of this show is perfect. We're going to hear from Ariana Huffington talking about how to unplug and recharge. If you look around you, you see leaders in positions of power, in politics, in media, in business, all of them with high IQs, great degrees, making terrible decisions. What is missing is not IQ, but wisdom. And today, it's getting harder and harder to tap into our own wisdom because we are all so hyper-connected to our devices, our screens, our social media, that we're having a hard time disconnecting from technology and reconnecting with ourselves. Your very own, very wise Smith sophomore, Erin McDaniel, wrote in the Sophian about her decision to disconnect from all her social media. We have eschewed, she said, real social connections in favor of superficial technology-bridged ones. 
who have become, in many cases, nearly as socially robotic as our computers. Now, you don't have the head of a digital company telling you to completely disconnect from technology. <laughs> what I'm telling you is to regularly disconnect from technology, to regularly unplug and recharge in order to reconnect with ourselves and our own deepest wisdom. I like this clip. It reminds me that I should be trying to challenge myself at disconnecting more as well. It's something that I find quite hard, you know, obviously made more difficult right now in isolation, but even in our normal business as usual days, I think it's quite easy to fall into a habit of being on your phone a lot. Maybe the better word is being online a lot. And Ariana's reminding us here that it's good to have that in your mind as a trigger to occasionally say, oh, hang on, maybe I should just unplug it. If I, I'll go and put my phone on recharge and I myself will leave it alone. I'll go and recharge myself. There's a thing here that she talks to, which is exactly what, I don't know if you remember, but this is what Cal Newport talks about, is, you know, no CEO of some tech company is going to tell you to disconnect, but it is so damn important. And what she touched on is something that is essential to realize. Here's the thing. First step, we replaced, for those of you that remember a pre-internet, pre-social media world, is we never had real-time instant communication with people that we considered our friends and family and larger acquaintance set. So what we've done is we've shifted from the need to get out and about to make proper telephone calls, to have proper meetings, get-togethers, and we have shifted so much of that high-value face-to-face activity, which Calp Newports found that we are genetically geared to, like we have genetic physiological reactions when we're with people that we'd never have in any other situation. It's belonging, connectivity. And we've replaced that with a like on Facebook. It is such a downgrade. And that's why it's so important to unplug. I mean, Cal Newport talks about having a 30-day detox from social media. So I think this is how we need to balance out all the good stuff that comes with tech social media being connected through technology, we have to actively balance it out. One of the things I do, Mark, is I don't check emails on a Sunday. I don't do social media on a Sunday. That's just one little habit. I've also moved all social media off the homepage of my iPhone. How are you, Mark? How are you kind of changing your behaviours to unplug and to recharge? I think it's something I'm going to begin from today. You know, you've mentioned it before, Mike, how when you go to bed, you will leave your phone recharging in another room. It's not beside you. You've probably got an alarm clock, perhaps, but you don't have your phone beside you. And I think what today sort of sparked in me is this idea of leaving something in another room. So I agree, Sunday being offline is a great thing to do. And that's definitely what I'm going to try and do as well. And it's something that I semi-do already, but now I'm going to be disciplined and actually stick to it. But also I'm going to challenge myself at leaving my devices in another room because I think I probably will benefit from better rest, better sleep, better recharge. And as Ariana said, you know, when you're tired, creativity might suffer. And I like this idea of leaving things in different rooms. It's almost like a ritual, I suppose. Yeah. And I think it starts with you know, finding really simple habits. I mentioned taking social media off my homepage. I can tell you that dramatically reduced my use of social media. Not having the phone in the room is a great one. And I'm sure that if you dig into Cal Newport, each and every one of our listeners is going to find some additional things they can do in regards to social media, additional things that they can do when they think about getting a better sleep and just being more ready for the day. But as we go out into our day, often one of the things that we find really challenging is when things don't work out. And what was really interesting is Ariana is very similar to Zaha Hadid, an amazing architect, probably one of my top three architects. And Zaha Hadid talked about every time she was an immigrant 
living in England in the 60s, trying to be a woman learning to be an architect in a total boys club. And she went on to be one of the world's greatest architects. And she talked about every failure, every hit that she took made her stronger. And what I really noticed, Mark, is that a lot of the people that we've decoded on the show have the capacity to look at failure is adding more fuel to the fire, making their armor stronger so that they can go on and be a success. And Ariana is no different. And what's beautiful about this next clip is Ariana actually goes to talk about what she learned from her mother about failure. What's one of the biggest lessons that you learned from your mother? So the biggest lesson actually was around failure. My mother used to say, failure is not the opposite of success. It's a stepping stone to success. Mm. And she always made, I mean, I grew up in a one-bedroom apartment who had no money. And my mother always made us feel bigger than our circumstances, not limited by our circumstances. I was like um, coming back from school in Athens, Greece, where I was brought up, and I saw a picture of Cambridge University in a magazine, and I got home and told my mom, I want to go there. And everybody else I said that to said, don't be ridiculous. You know, you don't speak English. We have no money, and it's hard for English girls to get into Cambridge. My mother said, let's see how you can go there. (laughs) And at the same time, she didn't make me feel that if I didn't go there, my life was over. Mm. So it became this adventure where we, I learned English and I applied for a scholarship and bottom line, I got into Cambridge, but it wasn't like, this is the B, what do you call it? End all be all. Yes. (laughs) I know what you're saying. This isn't the end all be all. Exactly. And so... That's the biggest lesson she gave me. That's beautiful. This is a great one. What Ariana is revealing to us here is failure should be viewed as a positive rather than a negative. We shouldn't beat ourselves up so much when something doesn't work. It is a stepping stone to success. I love that as an analogy. I think that's great. You know, you and I have discussed this concept of muscles tearing and coming back stronger. We've discussed that, Shell, as well as Melinda. And I think Ariane, well, she's saying it again, and that's great. And, you know, it's something that we should all remember, not to feel too down if a startup or a product or a piece of work or maybe even a conversation doesn't work quite how we, you know, dreamed it could be, because it's okay. It's a lesson that you can learn from. You know, I've certainly had a few stepping stones in my time, maybe a few that I fell off the stepping stone, in fact. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay because it's got me to where I am now. And I think that that nice awareness Ariana's bringing up is wonderful. I really like that. That's right. And what we have to remember is that so much of the mythology around people and their success doesn't actually touch upon failure. Mm. And one of the things we need to remember is there is no, and I say this all the time, there's no such thing as an overnight success. And behind that, you always find there was 10 years of hard work, of learning, of failing, of adapting, of hustling and finding a way through. And I think what we need to remember here is the following, is that whatever you're pursuing, the longer you stay the course, I mean, mathematically, the more you're improving your chance of success in the long run. Mm. And if you're in a race with others, here's the good news. Every time something tough comes along, others will quit. But if you can stay the course, if you can stay at it and be resilient and be courageous, very much the heart of Lady Gaga, when we decoded her, she's like, be relentless. Be relentless. Keep on going. And just to do a complete crazy segue here, Paul Graham, one of the founders of Y Combinator, talks about survival is success. Stay in the game. That will lead ultimately to your success. This is a big one, 
I love it. And I love it that it was her mum that taught her this. I think it was incredibly powerful. And, you know, what's on the other side of sticking with things and being resilient and being tough and not giving up is there's so much good stuff if you stick with it. And let's be honest, Mark, if you stick with something and you finally make it and you know you've had challenges and hardship but you finally got there, how good does it feel? I mean, it's probably, and I'm sure our listeners would agree, it's probably one of the most rewarding things when you've been through the darkness, the valley of darkness, you've had something very bitter. It heightens that taste of sweet. And that reward that you get when you do accomplish something that's been particularly difficult is, yeah, there's only a few feelings that are probably like that. I love what what this is inspiring in me, both listening to you, Mike, as well as remembering Paul Graham, Lady Gaga, Zara, as well as Ariana today, is be resilient. Everything that happens in life, whether it's isolation or projects not quite going well, something failing, that's okay. You can't control that. What you can control, as you always say, Mike, is something that you yourself have control over. So the mindset of failure and thinking about it as a positive, thinking about it as an opportunity to learn, thinking about it as something that will enrich the experience later down the line. It's something that I'm going to try and bring into my life more. Something doesn't quite work out. Instead of me going a little bit grumpy or maybe getting that pain in the back that we were talking about earlier, instead I'll think, oh, that's okay. I'll let it breeze past me. I'll learn from it. I'll observe it. Maybe I'll write down something to help me remember it. But I'll, I'll allow it just to pass me. Well, there is this cool thought you know, talking about learning is that when you do have failure, your rate of learning is higher because the emotional peak is sharper than that of success. So basically when we have the uh-oh moment, we go, we're in big trouble here. Your emotional triggers really, really so much endorphins and hormones that it marks you actually much stronger than than success. Success tends to be a little softer. It doesn't peak with that kind of sharpness that failure does. So it's actually a great learning moment. So this kind of leads me to the following question for you, Matt. What is this moment when you're like, oh, damn, how do you turn a moment of disappointment or challenge? How do you use the force of that to kind of bounce you off, catapult you into a new frame, which is, okay, but I'm going to keep going. How do you get there? It's a good question. That's a big one. I reckon I'm still learning. I reckon I'm still figuring out the best way for me myself to do it. A couple of techniques that I'm doing at the moment are trying to absorb it without taking things personally. That's a pretty key one that you, you know, realize as you get older, not everything's about you. Well, sometimes it might be about me. Sometimes I may have messed up, it happens. But more often than not, you just happen to be there. You happen to see something go wrong and that's fine. You observe it and let it pass. For me, I think remembering that it isn't the end of the world is also a pretty key one. I think both of these are mindset. It's trying to get my brain into a moment of absorption and observation as opposed to, right, I'm going to turn the wheel and crash into a tree. You can see what's happening and you don't want to react. Like I say, I'm still learning. Your secrets, Mike. So something that I try to do is work with this thought that focus on what you can control. And the one thing that you control more than anything else is your thoughts. Now, when we talk about challenge, the single greatest power that you have is not to change what happened, but to change how you think and how you feel about it, how you respond to it. So there's this whole body of work about you are what you think. And in the case of challenge, you have this choice to go, okay, I didn't cause this thing to happen. That's beyond my control. But how I'm going to respond to it, how I'm going to think about it is in my control. And I find that a very good starting point. And just to kind of round that out, the next thing I always do 
is I think about times in my life where I did stop, times in my life where I did quit. And those things frustrate me. They cause me so much frustration when I reflect on things where I should have kept going and I didn't. That I then think about my legacy. Do I want to always be the one that, you know, at school, if Mike only applied himself, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. I don't want that. I don't want to be the guy that could have been. I want to be the guy that was. And then so what I'm really talking about here is legacy. When all is said and done, what do you leave the world? Can you leave it a better place than how you found it? Can you make some contribution? And a great example of that is this show. I mean, it's enormously hard every week to do this work on top of everything else I do. But it brings me so much. And when I'm gone, there'll be a body of work that you've helped with, that lots of people have helped with, that all our listeners have been part of, that would have helped people learn from innovators and inspire. That's the kind of journey I go through. And it's not perfect. I struggle with it every day, but that's at least the frame that I try to go through. That's a great insight. I like that a lot. Nice and inspiring and also very honest, Mike. This concept of legacy is a powerful one. I think we were talking about that in when we were discussing Melinda, in fact. This idea of what you leave behind is pretty evocative and it is a great motivation driver, you know, whether it's waking up or staying awake, in fact, until 1am <laughs> or whether it's, you know, making sure that you spend enough time on your projects or your, your, your friends and family. It's that mindset, I think, is so, so valuable. I mean, it's so powerful to say, like, okay, no one wants to be sitting in their latter years saying, well, I didn't really give it my best. Nobody wants to finish a sports game going, well, I could have gone a little bit harder. Yeah, could have gone a little bit faster. Maybe I could have got that score. Like Maybe I could have improved that. Nobody wants that. No one, honestly, you know, if you've gone to all that effort of showing up for the game. And, I mean, what's really interesting is Brené Brown talks about this a lot too, is it's like step into the arena, right? Just step in. Unless you're in the arena, you can't comment. No, that's exactly right. (laughs) And if you're in the game, you might as well give it your absolute all. You might as well push as hard as you I think giving your all is the true fulfillment. I think that is the true well-being of any adventure is that you gave it your all. And what you'll often find is that on top of that, side by side with that, is happiness and joy. And, in fact, this is where Ariana has another thought another piece of inspiration, another teaching to give to us. So as we get almost to the end, let's have a listen to Ariana Huffington talking about bringing joy to your life. Uh, One entry point is bringing joy back into our everyday lives. Because so many of us, and I speak as a complete culprit, you know, as as like a... a certifiable type A workaholic driven personality who basically felt my job was about getting it all done, getting it done in time, getting it accomplished, and joy, who has time for joy? (laughs) And now I feel that not at all, that it's like when I'm not joyful, I look at what happened. I don't mean I don't mean joyful like there are no challenges, problems, etc. I mean like when I'm not like, hey, this is great. I'm blessed. I'm doing something I love. I'm grateful. Uh, when I don't have that feeling, I know I'm off. I need to course correct. So joy, kind of really checking in and seeing how am I doing? Am I? It, you don't even have to check in because you know when you are in the flow, in the joy, and when you're not. Who has time for joy? It's a great reminder. This is a, another great clip. Ariana's just bringing out all the great lessons here, isn't she? She's a treasure trove. I know, she really is. Gosh. It's concept of, okay, well, what brings me joy? So if I reflect on what Ariana's saying here, it's recognizing something else, something deeper within you. Maybe only you'd know what it is. You know, for me, I think what brings me joy, as Ariana says, yeah, it could be a project going well. It could be 
a great bit of business. It could be something that I experience at work. But also, as Ariana's saying, it's reflecting on, is this something I love doing? And something that I love doing, I think, is seeing friends and family, making sure that everyone's okay in this particular climate. I think it's taking care of plants. It's seeing animals. It's seeing things that are additional to my my life. Maybe it's things that are not within my immediate world. It's something on the other side. I quite enjoy seeing that. I think that brings me a little bit of joy. And also living in Sydney with beautiful blue skies and sun, <laughs> I, I think helps. How good is that? Sunshine is a huge one. Oh, absolutely sort of being outside. So after this podcast, I'll be running in the beautiful surrounds of Sydney. So I can't wait to do that. Other things, like many of the same things, Mark, but I would add some special things for me is music brings me a lot of joy, a lot of well-being. Like I just need my music. I need my tunes. That's a big part. And I think that, you know, just being a bit ridiculous at times, you know, having a laugh with friends, with my family, having jokes with my son who's a teenager. So we have all these ridiculous jokes that we make about different memes and stuff like that. He calls me a boomer and then I try and explain to him I'm not a boomer yet. (laughs) I'm not that old. So, I mean, those things all bring me joy. And I think that inside of all of this, you know, very much, you know, in terms of the resilience and getting on the other side of that is that you can find joy in the flow and in the mastery of things. And when you're relaxed, when you're working in a comfortable way and producing, there's a certain flow and a certain joy there that she touches on, which I think is important to find. It's not always going to be beautiful and easy and elegant. You will have to jump onto conference calls at one o'clock in the morning. But the thing is that as long as it's part of the journey of doing and bringing your purpose alive, you know, a la Simon Sinek, and making sure you have a legacy that you choose for, then it's all totally worth it. And before we get to this last clip, what a bevy of insights and learnings. And what a surprise package from Ariana, don't you think, Mark? What's been, you know, great today and and, and all our research that we've done over the last couple of weeks into Ariana is the insights that Ariana has from setting up two enormous global enterprises businesses, as well as writing 15 books, which is, you know, mind-blowing. It's actually the lessons that she has. They're very, very human. They're very, very relatable. Similar to when we were, you know, covering Michelle and Melinda as well. But particularly Michelle, right? Particularly Michelle was also very candid, wasn't she? Totally candid and very, very, dare I say, real. Not that any of our other innovators aren't real, but they struck me very, very human, authentic, and honest. And this idea of joy and not getting too bogged down in failure, not getting too bogged down in the stresses of life. It's a nice reminder. You know, it's almost as though she is my friend. Ariana is reminding me, oh, Mark, make sure you recognize a moment of joy today. Make sure you don't take things too much to heart. Don't feel jaded if something doesn't quite work out. Make sure you've got time to go and recharge. I feel very close to Ariana after listening to her. (laughs) Well, it's not over quite yet. We've got one more, one more clip from Ariana. This is perfect. This is her giving her thoughts, her advice, her inspiration to what most of us could say her younger generation. So for the last time, Let's have a listen to Ariana Huffington. You know, here we are, we're two successful women and we can create rituals in our lives. And we know that when we go and and we put our phone away and, and we can go and, you know, have a bath or I would like to go and just write in my journal. Those are things that, that we've created time for. But the younger generation who's hustling, who's going, who's trying to get to a certain level to feel successful who don't feel like they can make that time for themselves. You know, what, what is your advice to so them? I'm so happy you asked that question because that is the key. What they need to understand is that 
they're going to be more successful if they learn to put their own oxygen mask on first. Mm. That is like the key. Mm. You know how we talked about micro steps? The other thing we need to talk about is changing your mindset, changing false beliefs, which were largely created by men. Mm -hmm. You know, the the world of work has been designed by men, and we are now beginning to change it. So the mindset shift has to be recognizing that there is no contradiction, there is no trade-off. When I take care of myself, I'm a much better businesswoman. I come up with better decisions. Just imagine or remember any time you've been exhausted. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you about myself. When I'm exhausted, and it still happens sometimes because, you know, I have a delayed flight, I'm suffering from jet lag, something happens. Let me tell you, I'm a work in progress. There's nothing I'm doing perfectly. So when I'm exhausted and depleted, I'm the worst version of myself. I really kind of don't like myself. I'm less creative. I'm more reactive. I'm more likely to lose my temper. I'm less empathetic. I'm basically not fun to be around. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not good for your career. It's not. (laughs) In any way. So young people listening who feel like they don't have that time in the day. Make it. Because on the contrary, you don't have the luxury not to make that time for yourself. You make a good point. I wish I would have known that in my I wish I would have 20s, known that. In my 20s, <laughs> period. <laughs> I mean, this is fantastic. It, again, it touches on, Mike, what you were saying a minute ago about mindset. You know, it's all about having the wisdom to think, right, I need to disconnect. I need to get some sleep. Like Ariana's saying, I need to put on my oxygen mask first so then maybe I can help others. It all starts by taking care of yourself, your own roots. And a couple of things that we've touched on in previous episodes, you know, mindfulness, taking a breath when you open a door. I feel as though, again, we're in this moment when everybody is beginning to be more aware of themselves. But it's very, very easy to forget and to go back into, right, I'm going to focus on the task at hand, on my emails. I need to get this done without then making the time to, you know, repair yourself. And that's very, very easy to fall back into. It is, isn't it? And I think it's a question of what she's provoking in us is like, how do you balance between this focus and determination, this bulldoggedness, and then how do you pull yourself out of that, take a breath, refresh, and then go again? And I think we're all looking for that rhythm that's uniquely us to help us go out into the world, start something big, to have a big vision to hold on to, to avoid being jaded and just kind of becoming mindless. And really where she's pushing us is what are the practices you're going to have to unplug, to recharge, to be resilient, to bring joy and happiness in your life so that you can thrive. I mean, what a perfect title for her book, for her company, What an action-packed episode, Mark, of so many learnings. I mean, we could almost have done two or three shows on Ariane. We could have, actually. And there's a lot more for people to go and check out. Like I say, 15 books. (laughs) I mean, there's plenty to go. Maybe we should eventually revisit Ariana and do a whole season. Sounds fantastic. Well, listen, Mark, I know that I'm going to take out of this a real to-do on finding the smiles, the laughs, the joy in the work that I do. What are you going to take from this deep dive into the world of wisdom from Ariana Huffington? It's finding the balance, finding the balance so that I can thrive. The balance between well-being, balance between working hard, you know, being, as you say, that kind of bulldog, but also thinking, right, now I need to repair. Now I need to take a moment by myself to reflect, observe. Balance for me is a big word here. And that's going to be something that I'm going to challenge myself at living going forward. Nice. Well, Matt, that's it. That is an action-packed Ariana Huffington show. I'm sure there's more to come in her story. It has been wonderful to dig into this. Where should everybody go if they want to know more about Ariana or any of the other innovators 
that we have covered. I would love everyone to go and check out moonshots.io. And if they're feeling particularly charitable, what would be the call to action? What should they go do in the world so other people can discover our show? If you're wandering around your house, wondering what to do with your time in between you know, conference calls or whatever it might be, feel free to pop into Apple Podcast, any of your podcast streaming platforms, and just leave us a little review, a little rating. We're always keen to hear what you, our listeners, think about the show, but also it, it helps us a lot because it gets our point of view and, and experience and our voices out there. So we're always keen to spread that. Exactly. Well, Mark, thank you to you. Thank you to all of our listeners. It has been an absolute joy to learn how to bring both balance and happiness into the workplace and to find a more sustainable path to success. And as Ariana would say, to be the best version of ourselves. I hope you've all enjoyed this show, the Moonshots podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time. That's a wrap.